Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church Podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's dive into the word with Pastor Sean and his message for this week. Amen, amen. I invite you to be seated for just a moment. Man, there's a sweet sweet spirit of worship here this morning. It's fun. It's, it's encouraging. And that's actually what, I, what the content of my message is a little bit. The presence of God is encouraging, not discouraging. You know, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, if you're a first or second time guest, man, you picked a fun day to come. Man, baptism is a party. Uh, my name is Sean Olson. I get to be the lead pastor here. I love what we do. Man, I love Sundays. I love venture. I love talking to people that come. And they're like, man, we ain't never seen a church like this. No doubt about that. Haven't decided what, what that means yet. But uh, if you are a first or second time guest, all we ask of you, fill out that connection card in your green folder or your worship guide. I give you our hassle-free guarantee. We're not going to show up at your house unannounced. That would be weird. Uh, we're not going to do that. We're not going to telemarket phone call you all the time. Uh, what we'll do is send you an email and a letter later. Uh, what you can do for us is stop by the VIP tent on your way out. Let us give you a gift. Uh, let us answer any questions you may have. It's a true honor. Man, as the pastor of this church, is a true honor that you chose to be with us this morning, and uh, I'm excited that you're here. You came on a great Sunday. We're in the middle of this series. I want to believe, but we're looking at these roadblocks to belief, and just because you're in church, I'll tell you right now, we, we real, like we're authentic around here. You don't believe that? Go listen to last week's podcast. Uh, we're, we're as real as they get, uh, but we all have these moments in our faith journey, whether it's at the very beginning or the middle somewhere, where it's like, I want to believe, but man, why? Why'd that happen? I want to believe, but, and we started with, uh, with mixtape, God, if you know about a cassette tape and a pencil, you know how to make a mixtape like a real one, not a playlist. That's iTunes. Come on, y'all. We, we made real mixtapes. It took fingers and buttons and timing and work. Uh, but we do that with God, and we create the God that is all the things we want and none of the stuff we don't want. But the problem is this. That God doesn't exist. That God doesn't exist, and that's what we have a hard time believing in is these gods that we think should be that aren't actually be. So the first one was mixtape God. I want God to do everything I want him to do. And when he doesn't, I don't believe in him. Well, that God doesn't exist. And last week, uh, I tackled it, in my opinion, probably the largest roadblock to belief. I want to believe, but why would a good God allow bad things to happen? Uh, And that's an incredibly... Uh, tough question to answer. If you want to hear the answer to it, I encourage you to hit our website, VentureSC.org. That's where all of our podcasts live. You can, you can listen to it there. Uh, but the real meaning, the real heart of this series is not to answer all of our questions. It's for us to actually understand who God is. The problem is this. We keep saying we don't believe in a God that would, would allow bad things to happen or a God that didn't answer a good prayer. But We're not even saying we don't believe in the God of the Bible, the actual God, the real God. So the goal of the series, as much as I would love to, is not to answer all of your questions. The goal is for us to look back and see who God actually is. This morning, I want to believe, but it seems like a list of rules. God is just a big rule keeper. He's up there with a tally mark calling the rules. Uh, When I was young, I used to play golf with my dad. 
All you golfers out there, good for you. you. You live a life of constant frustration. I don't know how you do it. You need counseling. If you're a real golfer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it is, it is, it is the most frustrating thing in the, the world. Um, and I would play with my dad, and even as a teenager, I would go out and I'd be like, listen, I just, I can't hit around the tree. Let, let me move it a little bit, dad, just like a little foot wedge. You know what I'm saying? Come on, just a little pop. Nope, rules are rules. I'm like, come on, man, how about a mulligan? Like a do-over. Nope, rules are rules. And I kind of feel like we, we think God is much like that. God, how about a mulligan? Man, I messed this one up. I made a big mistake here, God. I need a mulligan. And we sense that God is the big rule keeper in the sky going, nope. You messed that one up. Nope, 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 no do-overs there. And it's just this incredible list of rules. If, if you've been around Venture and you know some of my story, my dad was a pastor and I grew up in church. Uh, and as I grew up in church, and man, it was so cool to see the kids here this morning. Like if you, were, if you were up in the front area, you saw it. You people that sit in the back and you're worried about my spit getting on you, we gave you extra space today anyway. Don't worry about it, right? Uh, but but you, you saw the kids come in and they're sitting there. That was me. Uh, only I didn't behave nearly as well as they did, okay? Uh, no, I'd have been like, Shh, it's a swimming pool! And I would have like cannonballed in or something and my dad would have gave me the death glare. But I grew up in church and, and all I thought church was was an attempt to make bad people better people. We're gonna take a bad person and somehow we're gonna make them better. And if you followed all of the rules, good job. If you didn't follow all the rules, you failed. And I got so, so frustrated and honestly hurt. I don't know if you know what it's like being a pastor's kid, uh, but I couldn't go anywhere without my dad having hundreds and hundreds of eyes. Like they were all over the place. This is before cell phones because I'm old, you guys, you youngins. We didn't have cell phones. I did have a pager for a while. Come on, somebody, pager language. Mm-hmm. You know if you got that 911 page from mom and dad, it was not good. Right? You got some 1432 from your girlfriend. Let's go! All right, y'all don't know about pager language. I'll preach a message on that later, right? Y'all youngins need to be educated in pager language. But I, 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 would, I would get home and somehow before this information technology that we live in now, my dad would know everything I did. Like, I would walk through the door and it's like, I know what you did last summer, this summer, next summer, the following summer, I know. You creeping on me, old man. I mean, everywhere I go, and, and I just got this sense that nobody actually cared about me, they just cared about what rules I followed. And I was frustrated, I was hurt, and I didn't want anything to do with it. So in fact, when Angela and I met, uh, I was a mechanic, I didn't want to lead in the church. I knew what my life's purpose was, but I wanted no part of being the rule keeper. I mean, let's be honest, I struggled following the rules myself, how am I gonna hold other people to the rules? And I would never, ever be that hypocrite that stands on stage going, hey, you got to follow all of these. I don't want no part in that. And then as I, I really thought about this tension, this struggle is not new. In fact, the first church in Acts, they struggle with this, Acts 15, 9. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Here the disciples, the, the first church, they're having people come in and, and, and believe and they're going, all right, now, guys, we got to sit down. What rules are we gonna make them follow? Guys, I'm gonna let you know which one they're talking about. Circumcision. <laughs> not today, Satan, all right? Like, let's call it like, I'm not gonna get like graphic and tell you what it is. If you don't know what it is, go ask your parents. All right, anyway, ha 
<laughs> I'm having fun this morning. All right, so they're, they're, they're discussing all the rules. Someone's like, what church did we just walk into? You have no idea. I'm just getting warmed up, right? Right? Like, you have no idea, right? So they're discussing all the rules that they're going to have to follow. They, they accept it. They believe in the Messiah. And the first thing the disciples want to do is go, all right, what rules are we going to put on them? And finally, someone steps up and goes, hey, let's not make it hard for people to know God. Let's not make it difficult. My heart as the pastor of Venture is, let's not make it hard. Let's not make it hard for people to experience the presence of God and know him and grow towards him. When I grew up, what would happen is like, all right, I believe in God. All right, here's the rule book. Go follow it. You ever heard the, the Bible referred to as the rule book of life or the instructions of life? Nobody wants to read the instructions. I, you know the first thing you do when you open up that new thing. You're like, all right, instruction, man, I don't need that. I, I'm a man. I'm a man, I got this. And then later your wife walks out the room and you're like, all right, what happened? All right, I'm coming back to it. But we, 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 we view God as the rule book and the instruction manual. Now let's talk about that Valentine's Day card you forgot to give your wife. Shame on you, by the way. All right, let's talk about that. You see, when you open up that handwritten card, you skim the stuff that Hallmark put in. By the way, cards are stupid expensive anymore. We gotta, we gotta like boycott that. It's ridiculous. Seven, eight dollars for a card. Somebody get excited, right? So you, you, skim the, you skim the stuff that Hallmark put in there and then what do you do? You read that handwritten stuff. You wanna know what was on the person's heart when they thought about you. You see, the Bible's not the rule book of life. It's the handwritten card from God to his creation. It's not a representation of rules he wants you to follow. It's a representation of the relationship he desires. But we make it this, this list of rules. It's all about the rules. And here's the thing. Up to this point, when the, when the disciples are together, they were all familiar with a rules-based religion. And here's the thing. Religion is just man-made rules trying to please God. Man-made rules trying to please God. And here's some bad news about religion. Religion focuses on the external, not the internal. Let's look at what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. You clean the outside while the inside's filthy. You make it look real pretty. You make it look presentable so people will applaud you, but inside you're disgusting. That is what a rules-based system does. Man, I look good. Well, I, can, I put a suit and tie on. No, I won't ever do that, don't worry about it. Like, I'll, I'll put the suit and tie on, I'll come in. We look good. I don't go to see the bad movies. Which ones are those, by the way? I don't know. I don't go see those. I don't listen to the bad music. I, don't listen to, I only listen to Michael W. Smith in my car, right? I don't, I don't listen. Somebody goes back, been in church a while. You got that, right? Like, I, don't, I listen to me some Stephen Curtis Chapman. We going on a journey. Yes, it's the adventure, right? I, I, I don't listen to, to no country music. No, no, no. I can't do that. Come on, man. That doesn't make you better. But that's what we think. That's how we think. I follow more of the rules than you do. And we worried about how we present ourselves to other people. It's, a, it's like a game. Well, I follow more of the rules. 
I'm a rule follower. I am not a rule follower, by the way, right? The more of the rules we follow, the closer to God we must be. And here's, where's the heart of it. We recognize there is a gap between us and God. There's this gap. He's incredibly holy and I'm not. So I've got to close the gap somehow. And the only way that we can think to do it is to follow more of the rules. Well, if I follow more of the rules, then I can close the gap and I can get there. But that's, that's not it. And that's what the, the Pharisees in the Bible did. They would, stand, they would stand out in the streets and they would pray these big, long prayers really loud for all to hear. Listen to me, I, I'm praying. The only person not listening was God because it was more about the appearance of faith than authentic faith. And I'm telling you, that's the problem. This is the system that, that I grew up. It was all about the external, all about the appearance. In fact, let me, let me give you a history lesson here in some Jewish culture. After Ezra and Nehemiah, they sit down and they get together and say, hey, we got we to gotta make it where people can't even come close to breaking God's law. So we're going to create fence laws. So you have the law here, the Torah, God's law, and we're, we're man. These are men talking. Man, we're going to make some extra laws around God's law so people don't even get close to breaking the law. And we're going to create these fence laws. And they have a book called the Mishnah. It's a book of about 800 pages of nothing but rules. It's a real head turner. I mean, super suspenseful. Like, it's a real thriller, bestseller list. You should get it on Audible. Listen to the original author. Just read it to you. It's so... 800 pages of rules? What? Let's not make it hard for people to find God. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 23, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Rules, get this, this is, this is so important. Rules are not a reflection of the heart of God. Rules are not a reflection of the heart of God. Honestly, if, if, if I can be really, really honest with you, it's an extension of our pride that we can close the gap back to God by ourselves, thus we don't actually need him. It is not the heart of God, it's an extension of our pride that we can attempt somehow to be, to be good enough. But here's some good news about Jesus. Romans 3, 21 and 22, therefore no one, go ahead and look at the person next to you and say, not you. Now, because you intentionally didn't look at your spouse the first time, go ahead and look the other way and say, definitely not you. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I know you. Husband's playing it safe. He's like, I ain't looking at my wife and saying that. But no one, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, this is an important statement, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given, not earned, given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. No one, no, not you, will be declared righteous by the rule or the law. However many rules you follow, you cannot be considered righteous. That means you come to church every Sunday. I did it. Like as a kid, if the church doors were open, I was there. That does not make me righteous. 
You come to church, make your kids come to church every Sunday. That's a good idea and a different concept, but that doesn't make them righteous. You can even tithe. Doesn't make you righteous. May you can even go out and hand out carnations in the nursing home, which was incredible yesterday, right? Our outreach team killed it. But you know what? That didn't make any of them righteous. Love what they do. I love their heart. You should do it. But that doesn't actually close the gap between me and God. Because get this, you cannot earn God's acceptance by following rules. That's what we try to do. We work hard. And, and, and men, listen to me. This is really hard on us because we always wanted to earn our daddy's acceptance by doing things. Now, I'll, I'll play harder at a sport. If I'm better at throwing a fastball, my daddy will love me more. If, if I can work on the cars with my hands, my daddy will love me more. So we bring it into our faith and we say, well, if I can just follow more of the rules, then my daddy will love me more. He can't love you more. He proved it on the cross, said, I love you. That's it. There is no more. Your works don't earn your acceptance and approval by God. He gave that to you. But we think if I follow the rules, but then we remove the power of God's grace, and it's by grace we've been saved. It's by grace that the gap has been closed. It's by grace you've been made right with God, not by, not by the rule list. And here's the problem with the rule list. If my faith is founded in a rule list, then the only way I know to share my faith is to be hypocritical and judgmental. Right? Because all I look at is the list of rules that people don't follow. And you see this all over the place, and I don't have time to get super aggressive because y'all would post things about me on social media probably. That's okay. I wouldn't care, right? So we, 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 we get so judgmental, like, oh, you're not following all these rules. You're not following all these rules. That shows me that the heart of my faith is founded in rules, not relationship. Because no matter how many rules my kids break in my house, they're still mine. They're still mine. And man, they break a lot of rules and walls and windows and toys and TVs and everything else. And every time, you know what? I look at them and I say the same word, son. And man, you can break marriages and you can have things happen and you can make major mistakes that lead you down incredible places that are dark and alone, and you can have anxiety and stress and depression and fears and failures, and every time God looks out and he says, son, daughter, because his approval and acceptance isn't based on how many rules you do or don't follow. And I came out of a system, that was all I thought, that the rules determined my acceptance with God. In other words, I wanna tell you religion is not enough. Following the rules is not enough. Then it, I came to this question this week, then why, God? Why do we have the law? Why do we have the rules? Here's what I, here's what I think God placed the rule book in front of us for. Because the rules expose our sin. They expose our depravity. In fact, it says the purpose of the law is to make you conscious of your sin. The rules make us dependent on him. But we play by a different rule book. I mean, we do the, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I mean, better than so-and-so. You know what they did over there? Like the people across the street, like they, they bad. I'm a good person. They're a bad person. And we make other people the standard of good to make us feel better about ourselves. I'm a good person. Now, if I'm a good person, guess what I don't need? I don't need a savior because I'm a good person. 
So I'm generally a good person. But that's the wrong standard. God set the standard not to make us feel bad about ourselves, but to make us realize that we desperately need him. So let's ask some questions this morning. Let's have fun, right? How many of us ever lied? Y'all got your hand down? Everybody put your hand down. Those that you didn't raise your hand, go ahead and raise your hand up now. Yeah, liars. Some liars in the house of God. Somebody, somebody get them, they lied right here in church. An elementary school that stinks a little bit, but they lied here, all right? They, 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 they lied. Let's up the ante a little bit. Watch them, Anthony. Let's see if they lie again. How many of you ever stolen anything? What about that server's pen? You just like the way it writ. Right in the purse it went. Come on, we see you. We see you. The salt shaker. Come on, man. You go into the hotel taking all the miniaturized stuff. You even got a hotel towel in your closet. Shame on you, liars and thieves. Let's up the ante one more time. One more time. How many of you lust at all? Uh, uh, uh. Hey, I saw you watching Baywatch. Them girls reading some Fifty Shades. Come on, watching some Twilight. And I know you girls, you grew up with some Saved by the Bell. Oh, Zach! Come on, ain't, ain't got no lust. But the Bible says, look at someone lustfully, you've already committed adultery. So here's what we got. Welcome to Venture Church, a church full of lying, thieving adulterers. Here you go. Welcome to church. Well, that don't sound like a good group of people because we're not good people. Now, I challenge you, next time you meet a new neighbor, say, hi, my name's Sean. I'm a pastor, also a lying, thieving adulterer. <laughs> They're going to put some security cameras up real quick. <laughs> but we like to think of ourselves as good people so that we don't need a savior. When in reality, the rule book isn't designed to make us feel bad. It's designed to make us crave and need God so much that there's no other way. There's no other way. It's not so we feel bad about ourselves. In fact, shame came into the world when sin came into the world and was a ploy of Satan. So the shame you feel in your heart is not from God. So drop it, man. You're in a room, seriously, you just saw it full of lying, thieving, adulterers, and it sounds funny, but... Reality is it's real, we're messed up people. The guy on the stage is as broken as the person sitting in the back of the room. And I don't, I don't come up here with shame to throw at you because you don't follow the rules right. I don't come up here to dish out shame because you messed up this week. I come in here to say, man, because I messed up this week, I am in desperate need of the dispensation of the grace of God in my life, and I'm gonna share it with you. Because religion binds us up. Religion binds us up. But here's the thing, if, if I think I'm good enough, I'll just work a little harder and I'll be a little better. But man, if I, I'm a broken, messed up, lying, thieving, adulterous sinner, then there's only one way for me. And that's the redemption of the glorious love and grace and mercy of Jesus. And you're saying, well, I'm not that person. Romans says differently, it says for all, all means you. Go ahead and look at that person next to you, say I told you so, all. 
Husbands are saying, not today, pastor, not today. <laughs> Man, I've done messed up some people. Y'all got conversations going home. Wives are gonna ask about Baywatch, guys. Y'all better be ready. <laughs> all, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All means you, all means me. And what happens is we work tirelessly and we get so frustrated because we fail. And here's the thing, a system that's built on your effort is doomed to failure because you'll never be good enough. Every time you learn to follow one rule, there's another one coming. And every time you think you're good enough, you're gonna see something different. And when you do, it's not to make you feel bad, it's God saying, come on, come a little closer. Come a little closer, need me more, crave me more because I wanna do new things in your life. I don't create shame, I create freedom. Shame tucks me away in a closet and says no one loves me. God in his relationship puts me out in the light so everybody can love me and see the work he's done in my soul. So it cannot be religion, it's not enough. It only comes by faith alone and faith in Christ alone. There is no other way. You don't need religion, you need Jesus. It cannot be Christ plus. Well, I'm gonna accept Jesus and I'm gonna do a lot of work and that's gonna make me better. Mm -mm. The difference between religion and relationship is this. Religion's all about what you can do. All about how hard you can work. Relationship's all about what he's already done. And that's enough. Religion, man, it's all about how I can build up my effort and do more. Relationships all built on his love and mercy. Religion creates shame. You shame people because they can't follow the rules and you feel shame because you can't follow the rules. And what happens is this, if we can be so authentic in this room, we create a hypocritical culture because we look at all the rules other people aren't following because it makes us feel better about the rules we're not following. That's the culture of a broken system that no one can be authentic and no one can receive the grace of Jesus because they're worried about you pointing out the rules they're not following. They're worried about me pointing out the rules they're not following. Religion creates shame while relationship creates freedom. Religion complicates things. It makes it so complicated. What rules are this? What? Why relation? Relationship makes it simple. Relationship makes it simple. Psalm 16 says, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have, I have no good thing. Get this, I don't obey the rules to please God. I obey them because I love him. It's like when you come home, you know, your kids were inside by themselves for 10 minutes and it was quiet and you're terrified. I mean, you're scared to death. The very house may be burning to its foundation because it was quiet for 10 minutes. And you creak that door open because you, you scared what you're about to see. And you kind of peek the head in. No smoke. So you open it just a little bit more. And you notice they've been in there for 10 minutes and they've been cleaning the room, not because you asked them, but because they want to show you that you love them. They didn't clean the room because it was a rule. They cleaned the room because you have a relationship with them. We don't follow the rules because that's how we earn God's love. We follow the rules, we obey them because I love him. And even the religious, man, they couldn't wrap their mind around it. In the Bible, this religious leader, he comes to Jesus and he goes, hey, 
Which is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest rule? Like, you know, don't murder. That seems like a big one. We probably shouldn't kill people. What's Jesus' response? Have a relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Oh, and by the way, the second, when you're looking for a rule, it's the same thing. Relationship with people. Get in a small group. Relationship with people. So, so a relationship with God and a relationship with people. But what about the rules? Uh, see, we're caught because the rules make it an effort thing. I can do better. I can be that. Or what about the woman who was caught in the midst of adultery? And the religious, they come and they, I love this story, y'all. I love it. They come and they throw her at the feet of Jesus. Come on, get there. See it. Get out of this school and, and put yourself there. You're in the crowd. This woman's sobbing. They've got stones. They're ready to kill her. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be hit with one stone, let alone be stoned to death. They're going to kill her by throwing stones at her. And they throw her at the feet of Jesus and they say, the rule says, the rule says she's got to die. Jesus bends down and he starts writing in the dirt. Now I love the Bible because they don't tell us what he was writing. So it's all speculation. But see, I like to think he bends down and he starts writing the sins of the people standing around. Say, oh, Walter, adultery, lust, thieving? He goes to venture. They're lying, thieving adulterers, right? Oh, Jen. And he just, he bends down, and I can see him every time he writes. He just looks up. He ain't saying nothing. He's just looking. And he says, I tell you what. Hey, whoever, whichever one of you guys has a sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And he goes back to writing. And they left. It says the oldest first, leaving no one but, but Jesus and the woman. Jesus finally stands up and he goes, where are your accusers? Where are the people to tell you all the rules you haven't followed? And she looks and says, there are none, just you. I don't condemn you either. I'm less concerned about the rules you haven't followed and I want a relationship with you. So you go and sin no more. You go and be free. You find freedom and not shame. You find freedom and not shame. And that's the kind of gospel I want to preach. That when I've been down and I write in the dirt, maybe I'll write my own sin before I write yours. Because the grace of God is the only thing that can cover it up. I am wretched, I am broken, I am lost without him. The rules won't get you very far. In fact, what they will do is they will frustrate you. And maybe you, you came in this, this place this morning and you're like me as a kid, go, man, I just don't want to try anymore. It's too hard. Every time I try, I, I wind up hitting the wall where I fail and I fail over and over and over again. Let me tell you something. You can keep trying the rest of your life. You'll never get there. You'll never quite be good enough. So today, my, my offer to you is stop trying and accept the grace of God. Yeah, but that takes me out of control. That takes, that takes me out of the driver's seat. You're 100% right, it does. Man, you created the mess. Chances are we ain't never gonna be able to clean it up anyway. 
The standard seems so out of reach. It is. That's why he had to come and make it right. Religion will never work. Relationship with a real God is the only way. And some of us, we get bound up by checking off our religious to-do list. Come to church. Do good things. Be a good person. Be a good dad. Be a good husband. Be a good employee. And you check it off, and at the end of the list, you still feel like you're falling short, and you don't know why, because you can't be good enough to earn God's acceptance because it was already given to you. If you do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you, man, you came in this room. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been, you've been to church your whole life, and you've bought into the rules. You bought in that, man, if I follow enough rules, I'll get there, but it seems so empty. It seems so frustrating. It, it seems so impossible. I want to I give you freedom today. By grace and grace alone, you can be saved, which means it's not about how many rules you follow. It's about one thing and one thing only. Do you have a real relationship with a real God that authentically loves you and cares for you? If you don't know the answer to that question is yes right now. Man, you've been trying hard to be good enough, but you don't know the answer is yes. I want to ask it. I want to give you a chance to say, yeah, I want that relationship with God. I need to be freed from this shame that I'm not good enough, that I'll never be good enough, that it's all about what I've done wrong. I want... I want that relationship with God. If that's you, I promise I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you. All I'm gonna ask you to do is, man, just raise your hand so I can see you, so I know who I'm praying with. Yeah, man, I see your hand, thank you. Come on, anybody else? I don't wanna miss you. I see your hand in the back. Anybody else, man, I just, I want a relationship with God. I recognize the rules aren't gonna get me there. I wanna believe, but it seemed like so many rules. That is not the heart of God for you. The heart of God for you is to, to be in a relationship with you, to, to love you, to care for you. Anybody else? Raise your hand real high. Yeah, see your hands. Anybody, anybody. Man, I've been bound by this, this religion. All right, I'm gonna ask all my friends to pray with me. And if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you just to repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for making a way when there was no way. Today, I accept you because you chose me. You loved me. You cared for me. So thank you for loving me in your name. Amen, amen. You guys celebrate. Four or five people just accepted Jesus. I get the exact number. Here's what I want to invite you to do. Let's stand. We're going we're gonna to worship, and this is an important part of our service because I don't want you to run out. Man, we instantly turn it off. Like, all right, preacher's done. Switch to lunch mode. We'll get you there. I'm a, I'm a hangry person too, all right? Switch to lunch mode, right? Here's... Here's what I invite you to do. Even as believers in Jesus, sometimes we put the emphasis back on us on how hard we can work, how many rules we can follow, how many good things we can do. Take this moment and just put the emphasis back on him, his presence, his goodness. So God, be with us in this moment. Just let your presence be here in your incredible name. Amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.